Well, hello everyone. Let me welcome you to another one of our Authenticity events sponsored by the Southeastern Center for Pastoral Leadership and Preaching. Uh, my name is Dr. John Ewart. I'm the director of that center and it's my privilege to have you join us. We have a good live crowd here with us this evening uh, and we welcome those of you who are watching this on our website. Make sure that if you're on the website that you go to all those recommended resources. There's a lot of good subjects there now, like great topics. We, we did a thing a couple of years ago, you and I on expository preaching. Uh, there's everything from the ordinances to time management to, to finances, all kinds of issues there that'd be very helpful for local church leaders. And so we hope that you'll be able to use these resources, share them in classes, share them with your church members and, uh, and fellow pastors. So we're really thankful that you all are here and we're really excited about tonight as we talk about uh, prayer and spiritual warfare. Uh, we're filming this at the end of one of our fall semesters, and so we have several students and faculty here. We're going to enjoy a time of prayer at the end of our panel time together, and so <clears throat> we appreciate you joining us here as well. Let me introduce our panel tonight, and we're always appreciative for those who can join us. We try to, to mix our panels with pastors and practitioners and professors, and so it's always good to have, uh, to have these experts with us. And I really, I'm really not exaggerating, they will, they'll roll their eyes and shrug at me, but I'm really not exaggerating to say that if I could hand pick people to talk about prayer and spiritual warfare, um, these are the people I would hand pick. Years ago, I worked at another seminary and we did some pretty high level conferencing on these subject matters. And, uh, and these are the men that I'd wanna be there. So it, this, is a, this is gonna be a real blessing to you. It's also gonna be a challenging time, I think, as we talk about what the Bible really says uh, especially about spiritual warfare. So it's a, it's a joy and an honor to have Dr. Chris Schofield with us on the end. Dr. Schofield has worked for many years, pastor, worked at NAM for many years, and he's now the director of the Office of Prayer for the North Carolina State Convention and a dear friend of mine. Uh, our families go way back together. Chris, it's great to see you. Of course, Dr. Danny Aiken, the president of our institution, but also professor of uh, preaching and theology with us here tonight. And then Dr. Chuck Lawless, uh, our Dean of Graduate Studies, Vice President for Graduate Studies and Ministry Centers, and also Professor of Evangelism um, and uh, Missions. And, and so it's good to have you guys with us. And, and it's good because you guys have written in this area, you talk about this area, uh, you conference in this area. And so we want to dive right in. And we almost always begin these kind of conversations with some biblical and theological foundational conversations. And so one of the things, and, and Dr. Lawless, I've heard you talk about this a number of times. One of the things I think is really important is for us to really understand what the Bible truly says about prayer and also especially about spiritual warfare. Because when we start talking about spiritual warfare, we're really talking about sovereignty issues. We're talking about authority issues. We're talking about the enemy, but we're mainly talking about God. And, and we're, we're talking about our own sources of authority uh, and how it affects our lives. And so talk to us for a few moments about, about some of the biblical and theological foundational issues about God's sovereignty, God's authority, about the enemy and how he relates to that and how we should relate to him. Okay, that's, that's a lot. I thought <laughs> something light and fluffy yeah, to start with. <laughs> how do we beat up Satan? <laughs> right. By trusting in God. You know, what else do you want? Well, I think, I think here's where we have to start. Is we start with, obviously, the scriptures. We have to land at the Bible is not a book about the devil. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a book about God. And so every time we go to the scriptures to learn about 
the devil, we have to recognize that's not the purpose of, the, of the, the book. It does tell us about the schemes of the devil. It does teach us what he does. It doesn't tell us everything we want to know. But if we come out of a study about spiritual warfare, having talked more about the devil than we have about God, then we've, we've gone the wrong direction. Uh, the scriptures begin with God, they end with God, they're about God. The devil is a player in that, in that story, but he is not the center of the story. And I, I think far too often we, we approach spiritual warfare and we, we give him so much attention that we give him more credibility than, than the Bible does. So we start there. That God is absolutely in control. Uh, I can find no place in the scriptures where the devil is off of God's leash. Uh, he is sometimes on a leash that's a lot longer than we, than we would like, but he's never outside of God's control. Is, is he an enemy? Of course he is. There's one who, who fights against us. Peter tells us he's, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Uh, Paul warns us in Ephesians 6 that we're not wrestling against each other, but against principalities and powers. But, but we could go all the way back to Genesis 3.15, where, where God says in his judgment on the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And and I read that text and it says, all right, God has a plan here. God's the one who put the conflict there. Uh, the conflict that would lead to the cross where the one born of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. But this side of the cross, God's still in charge of all of this. He's still in control of the battle. He uses the battle ultimately for his glory. And if we don't, if we don't start there and see that God really is sovereign over all of this, We'll, we'll live in fear of the devil. So I think we have to start there. Yeah. John C.S. Lewis in uh, the Screwtape Letters right. said there are two extremes uh, that the devil is equally happy with. One is those that deny his existence altogether, and the other is those who obsess uh, with his existence and think about him, talk about him, and obsess over him. Both extremes are dangerous. Mm -hmm. Both extremes are problematic. And as Chuck so well said, neither extreme is the biblical posture toward how we deal with the evil one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's that issue of balance, isn't it? And of course, you, you guys know, and uh, you know, I travel a lot around the world, and as many of you do too, and, and, uh, and sometimes I'm in these situations where there's a demon behind every bush. You know, mm -hmm. and, and a demon behind everything that's happening, and that focus is completely on on that side of the balance, and, and it's totally out of balance. Uh, Chris, what are you seeing <coughs> in some of our churches, and what are you seeing, in, you know, in the lives of, of our pastors? Well, you know, I think that um, going back to something that uh, that uh, Dr. Lawless said, the glory of God mm -hmm. is right at the heart of. I think where we've got to really camp out, God's sovereignty, what is he doing uh, with regard to the enemy and his kingdom? It's his glory. He is to be glorified. He is to be exalted and magnified and lifted up. Uh, and so it, as, I, as I look at our churches, uh, churches are struggling. Churches, you know, 70 to 90 percent are in desperate need of revitalization. Mm. Uh, and, and, and part of that is that we've taken our eyes off of the Father mm -hmm. and we've set our eyes on the circumstances or the peripheral issues or things all around us and uh, we're not focusing on the glory of God. 
and, and seeing him magnified and exalted and lifted up. And it's wreaking havoc in our churches. You know, the church, the church in America is in trouble mm -hmm. uh, with regard to that whole issue of exalting the Lord and magnifying the Father. I think we, I think we, we are in desperate need of Him, and the only way that's ever going to happen is to begin to focus on the fact He's in control. He is sovereign, and He has to be our focus in these days, and and for the sake of His name being made known to the nations. Well, and this it makes sense why we get misdirected here, John, because. We look at our churches, we look at our lives, we look at our struggles, we look at our conflict, and, and we at Southern Baptist in particular, if we're guilty of one of these extremes that Dr. Aiken talked about, we have tended to ignore the devil. We, we tended to write him off as, as a first century understanding of evil, so we've, we've run that route. Others around the world, animists in particular, have given the devil too much attention. But, but now, when we begin to talk about the devil, it's really easy to go to a spiritual warfare conference to hear, all right, the devil does this, the devil does this. You go out of here saying, all right, I'm, I'm tempted, that's the devil. I struggle in my home, that's the devil. I have a flat tire because I came to a warfare conference, that's, that's the devil. Uh, it's, it's just, and it's an easy out. Uh, and so we look at all of our struggles. A bad tire. That's exactly right. I didn't take care of my car. Right? Any, anything could happen. Maintenance. And so, that's yeah, I haven't too. done my maintenance. <laughs> so I, I get it when you see everything hammering against you mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you, you begin to look at, all right, the Bible does talk about a real devil. It's easy to slide into that extreme because you want a solution. You want an answer. And, and ultimately, you want someone else to blame. Sure. Uh, and so we, we tend to move that direction pretty quickly if we're not careful. So, how, so let's, let's, some advice to, to pastors, teachers, small group leaders, uh, biblical counselors, parents. <laughs> Um, how, how, as believers, should we be, uh, what should we be teaching about the enemy? How, how should we be biblically approaching Satan uh, to make sure that our people are aware of him and his practices, but at the same time not going too far out of balance? What, what's some advice? Well, one of the things I would do, uh, and, and I'm, of course we're an advocate of this here at mm -hmm. Southeastern, is uh, have an expository teaching ministry. I, would, I, I could hardly imagine if I were pastoring a church, and I do uh, teach at our church uh, on a regular basis on Wednesdays, I can't imagine I would ever do a series on Satan. Mm -hmm. I would never do a series on demons. But I would deal with demons and Satan as I was working my way verse by verse through various books of the Bible. And when he comes up, uh, one of the things I believe in is what's called <coughs> proportional theology which means we have as much time and attention to a subject as the Bible does. Mm. Well, the Bible talks, as Chuck mentioned a moment ago, about Satan and demons. But the Bible doesn't obsess over Satan and demons. And so when the Bible addresses those issues, I would address those issues. Uh, but I wouldn't go out of my way to give Satan time that the Scriptures indicate he doesn't deserve. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as Chris was talking a moment ago, uh, about God's glory, and I was thinking of a very practical, simple thing that you find in James, where James says, draw near to God, uh, no, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But then the very next verse says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. So you say, well, that's awful simple. I think it is that simple. 
If I draw near to an omnipotent, all-powerful God, I don't have to worry about the evil one because though he can kick my backside, he can't take on the Father. Mm -hmm. And so the wisest thing I can do is not obsess over who he is, what he does, and all of this. I need to be aware of it. But much more, I need to know my God. I need to draw near to Him. I need to be intimate with Him because in His arms is the place of safety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. And I've, I might teach a series on demons. I would just do it from Genesis to Revelation. All right. <laughs> uh, and you, you have to. You, if you teach yeah. Ephesians 6 without understanding the, mm -hmm. God's control over the devil, you, you're going to miss the point. Mm -hmm. So you, you have to put it all in context. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to understand Ephesians 6, you need the book of Job. That's exactly right. You, you have to do something with a God who puts the bullseye on Job's back. Right. Exactly. A, a God who, who, puts a, who allows a thorn in Paul's life to keep him humble. You, you have to do something with that. And you can't ignore those texts. And so good expository preaching forces you to look at those texts. But again and again, what you keep saying is, man, that's putting the attention back on God. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's God's permissive that's right. allowance of Satan for this time to have this temporary power. He has a purpose in it. We may not fully understand it, but we understand it is His, pro it's his providential will. It is what He is allowing. And in the end, He wins. Mm -hmm. He receives the glory. The evil one is confined to the lake of fire. And so, it's been well said, in the issue of spiritual warfare, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a victory that's already been won for us at the cross, and therefore we stand in that. But again, we stand drawing close to our omnipotent God, not obsessing with being preoccupied with the evil one and all that he's doing. Because again, if you allow that to be your focus, then you, I think, actually open yourself up. You do. Uh, for his wiles and for his tactics to take you down. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it, with that also is the element of trust in that relationship with God. And I, <clears throat> you know, it, it's interesting, Job 23, 10, when he hath tested me, I shall come forth as gold. Well, you know, the testing's not pleasant. No. It's, it's very difficult, and sometimes it costs us everything. But it's in the midst of that that we get to the place of trust and say, well, you know, my father, it, it doesn't matter if you answer this prayer or this cry or even in the midst of this difficult circumstance, if you deliver me, I still trust you. Mm -hmm. And wow, that place of trust, you don't, we don't get there overnight in the Christian faith. It's, it's a journey, but it's a journey of keeping our eyes set on him. Just as, you know, understanding and knowing that he is in control. Jesus has the authority over the evil one. And, and I am focusing my life on Jesus and uh, on my father. And so it's in the midst of that I learned to trust him because he's my father. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's Job worshiping God anyway after he lost everything at the hands of the enemy. It's, it's Paul saying, I now rejoice in my weakness because strong. Now, yeah. now I'm strong. Uh, John, I would teach, as, as, I, as I do teach spiritual warfare, I think the scriptures teach us that we win these battles not in our strength but in our weakness. And that God, in fact, allows the enemy to sift us, to attack us, to hit us with thorns in order to make us weak or to keep us weak. Because at the end of the day, then, it's God alone who gets the glory. Mm -hmm. The problem is we don't teach that, and if we do teach it, people don't like it. 
Uh, <laughs> right. But, but here's the difficulty with that. It's just the Bible. Yeah. <coughs> you know, if we don't teach that, or if we wait to teach that only when people are under attack, when they're less inclined to hear us, I don't think we're shepherding our people well. And John, Chuck alluded to this at the very beginning. It really does come back to what is your foundation of authority as you do your mm -hmm. theology sure, and right. cultivate your worldview. Right. If, if, if your foundation is the Bible, and whether I feel like it or not, whether I understand it or not, I'm going to go with the Bible. You're going to arrive at different strategies and different conclusions than if you're driven by animism or mysticism or some type of radical experimentalism mm -hmm. where you become your own uh, authority. Uh, that's the danger in certain strands of neo-Pentecostal and neo-charismatic theology, which is also a, a bedfellow, strangely, with an open theism kind of theology mm -hmm. where we actually live in a world where in their way of thinking, God doesn't know the free will acts of His creatures in advance. Now, He has an idea, but He really doesn't know. Right. And if you follow it out to its logical end, then you can't know in the end that God wins. God doesn't even know if He's going to win. He thinks He does. He thinks he will. Uh, he knows, I guess, he can pull a trump card, but it's not a very far step from denying God's omniscience sure. to denying God's omnipotence. Right. And once you open that world, number one, you're in the world of heresy. And secondly, you're now in a world where nobody is in control. And I just have to be honest, even though I struggle sometimes with the mystery of how a sovereign, omnipotent God uh, chose to allow the devil to come into existence, uh, I still much prefer, and I think it's because the Bible teaches it, I still much prefer a world where God is in control, mm -hmm. even where there is a devil, as opposed to a world where God is not in control and there's a devil. Right. Now, again, I'm not arguing that based upon my experience, though my experience lines up with what the Bible says. But the Bible says, no, this God, again, Luther's given credit for it. I'm still looking for the source. Right. So if one of you guys know the source, get it to me. I'll give you credit. Wow. I'll give you $5. I was going to say cash but prize. You got, well, I'll give you $10. But the, the, the famous statement that the devil <coughs> is still God's devil. Well, whether Luther said it or not, whoever said it, they're right. The devil mm. is God's devil. And he's on a leash. Chuck said it really well. It may be longer than we like, but God knows what He's doing. Sure. And so as we bring this initial session to a close, I, I, what, I, what I've enjoyed hearing over and over and over again is that this really is a theological issue. And what I mean, and I mean that word in the true sense of what that word means, a focus upon God issue. And that rather than fear this enemy, what this book tells me to do is to fear God. Exactly. And That's that right. I can respond in faith and trust because I can have complete confidence in His authority and sovereignty. And even though there's a real enemy and spiritual warfare is a real thing, and I certainly can, uh, can, can suffer from that, I can trust in my faith to know that my God is still in control. So in, this, in the second session, what we're going to begin to, to segue into, so I, I want you to keep watching and go to this next session. We're going to talk about then, so what's the role of the individual believer in, in their own discipleship, in their prayer life? How does the individual believer deal with this in their life, spiritual warfare? And then how does prayer uh, become that weapon as well as that effective means of meeting with and communicating and communing with God? So thank you for joining us for this first session. And uh, join us for this next session as we continue this conversation.